You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. Ty, are you all in on the pumpkin spice craze? What's that? I knew it. I knew it. I, I did read that there was a company in the States that came out with a pumpkin spice lager, which sounds pretty vile to me. <laughs> But we will start the show also by saying that you've got a groundbreaking stat on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's the first time in a month they didn't lose a football game. Something to celebrate like, in the hammer. And I'm also pretty sure that Calgary outscored the Elks at home for like the entire season. <laughs> so far. Like, I'm not saying that no, to be... Uh, no, it's true. It might, I think it's true. It actually is true. We'll get to That's that hilarious. stat. Uh, Danny Austin of the uh, Calgary Sun and Herald, I believe, uh, posted that after the Battle of Alberta rematch from Saturday night. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. And this episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout-out to Overdue Fines. It is an Edmonton Public Library podcast. Bryce Crittenden and Carolyn Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news about Edmonton. It's a great way to learn about what's happening at EPL and about how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in-person and online services. To listen and find out more about overdue fines, head to epl.ca slash podcast. All right, the first game of the week had the Montreal Alouettes beating the BC Lions 31-10. There was some slight hype in this game with Vernon Adams Jr. making his BC Lions debut, but he didn't start the game. He only played for three series, and Ty, I think this really goes to show that trades in the middle of the football season, they can really either just not pay off altogether or take a while to really pay off. Yeah, like, I mean, especially when it comes to quarterback, I think that's a whole different animal than, you know, trading for uh, an O-lineman or a safety or something like that. Guys where, I saw it in high school, Corners never were in the defensive huddle. You just played man on yeah, the outside, yeah. and and everybody, and everybody else came to the plate. But they always play man on the outside. Well, we saw it in Montreal. They had their Thomas Costigan and uh, Nafis yeah. Lyon. They came in. They made an impact basically right away. Right away. Uh, but there's just so much to learn. Playbook, uh, the 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 lingo that yeah. your that your new OC and your new head coach use. It could be the same route, same concept, different ways that they they approach it, and different ways that they they talk about it. Uh, when when you make a trade, especially for a quarterback, it's usually not for a starter. Yeah, you're not you're not trading to throw a guy in to start unless injuries have absolutely ravaged your team. But it's going to take time for the adjustment. It's usually for depth. 
like we saw Trevor Harris going to yeah. Montreal, stuff like that. And, he, and, you know, after he gets, you know, accustomed and, and, and stuff to the playbook and, and the offense, then he starts getting more looks. But Vernon it's also... wasn't, but Vernon Adams wasn't doing much when he got traded before he got traded. He wasn't playing very well. So I don't know what anybody expected with that team traveling across the country. BC coming into this one, winning five of their last trips, five five of their last six trips to Montreal. So they did have some success there uh, as of as of late. But th- this is also part of the reason why Nathan Rourke had some success right off the bat because last week Michael Riley wasn't healthy, who was getting all the yeah. reps in practice. It was Rourke. And then this season, who's getting all the reps in practice behind Rourke? It's Michael O'Connor. Now he's hurt. Pipkin's hardly getting any reps. Adams had a week of reps. Pipkin is basically Dakota Prukop. Yeah. There was no reps for really either of these quarterbacks, and they went to Montreal, and they really got smashed. And this win is on the Owls' defense because if you you look at the game, the, the Montreal offense... They were, I mean, they were average, but they, they were, were this. They were this much better than BC's, and they were working with short fields all game. Yeah, so that goes to show that BC's special teams is a a point of struggle. And I know Rourke's not there. I know TG TJ Lee is not there on the defense, but it just seemed like. And I lo- I know there's only been two games without Rourke and. People are going to get tired of, they're already tired of TSN talking about it. They're going to get tired of me talking about it. But I, I never will. Losing him, it's it seems like it's just changed the makeup yeah. of the entire team. 100%. Uh, the way that he started the season, the way that offense was going, you know, throwing for 350, 400 yards, it seemed at will on a weekly basis. You know, we, we talk about quarterbacks, goaltending, uh, and, and defensemen in, in the NHL. So if you have two number ones, you don't have a number one, right? You, yeah, now you're just creating country. Yeah. Munch or not Montreal. BC doesn't have a number one. They've got two twos and a three. Yeah. Right now, they were going down. They were not prepared. Did he uh, cover and, up a lot of issues though? Like the, the- I think so. But at the same time, he was the one getting all the reps. He's the one yeah. that was running the offense. You throw Michael O'Connor in there, you basically throw him to the Wolves on one week of practice with the number one team. So I like there is going to be an adjustment time for that. But when you don't have like, – and it's hard. It'd be easier with Rourke to have that depth behind because of the pay structure that you would have with the rookie quarterback or not – well, uh, quarterback on his rookie contract still. And, and he goes down and the, there was just no – backup plan for it and O'Connor comes in they trade for Adams and, and they still don't have it figured out I'd they have a bit of a cushion I know that's their one saving grace that's, that's I guess. the saving grace right now is that Saskatchewan and, and Edmonton are <laughs> awful <laughs> and then and BC's gonna make the playoffs without their starting quarterback no I, I did see Nick Lewis tweeting it like was Rourke so good that he was able to cover up some issues in the scheme. I mean, he's, he's Curtis Joseph with the Oilers. And he, he also covered up issues with the special teams. They were able to work with long fields and it mm-hmm. wasn't really an issue. And I know the the return game was okay in this one. Terry Williams making his BC Lions debut, but 
in the in the first quarter, they give up the fifty one yard return to to Worthy. And and I think that was the the drive where Gino Lewis throws the interception in the end zone. Yes, Gino Lewis. <laughs> and then that, that that helped Trevor Harris's stat line because yeah, we had we had two. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, BC can't do anything on the next drive and shank a punt from their own end zone. Like there's no good place to shank a punt, but from your own end zone. Yeah. Just, just if you're gonna shank terrible. when you want to be at like the other team's twenty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can't kick a field goal for some reason, exactly. You shank it at the one. But Dom Davis of the Montreal Alouettes, the first player to score ten TDs this year, just like we all thought it would go. And the only reason is because of scheduling. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, it's the backup quarterbacks and the rushing but TDs. But I... Didn't somebody else score their tenth? Caleb on Saturday Evans afternoon, did. and then yeah. on Saturday afternoon as well. Yeah. So, I mean, he just happened to play first. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that it's a backup quarterback is hilarious. <laughs> the, the turnovers didn't help the Lions. One interception thrown, uh, three lost fumbles mm-hmm. uh, from the Lions. But you know what? Early in the season, sneaky good rushing defense and they were able to limit teams but then a few weeks ago Frankie Hickson had a a hundred yard game against them and then in this one Walter Fletcher he had 14 carries for 79 yards Jeshren Antwi had seven carries for 41 yards including a 31 yard rush the lot or the Owls are starting to have some success running the ball with the the two running backs and William Stanback he's on the verge, it looks like maybe Ooh, he'll be Colin to, Ray. <laughs> maybe he'll be able to make his return to the Lions lineup or the Owls lineup. But they had success running, and that's starting to become a prob- problem for the Owls D de- or the Lions defense. I keep screwing this up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's starting to sound like a broken record. Like the Lions defense, the last three years against the run has been. Yeah. I don't know if suspect is even the word to use. Like, it might be worse than well, that. And I think one of the surprises of this season has been Matthew Betts. He's been mm-hmm. having a lot of success on the D-line for the Lions uh, after a couple, I think, disappointing starting years to his career yeah. in Montreal or Edmonton. Edmonton. What is wrong with me today? Uh, see, not enough coffee. The caffeine really hasn't taken effect yet. Yes, I did sleep until quarter to four mm. on uh, – <laughs> Sunday afternoon. I texted the group chat at nine o'clock this morning asking yeah. what the over under would be that when you I would get a reply from you and I said it at one fifteen Pacific and I didn't get one until like three o'clock. Yeah. Well closer to four. Uh, Mountain. <laughs> oh, okay. Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> but, Embarrassing. Hey, look, he had a he's had a good season with BC so far. Mm-hmm. Jordan Williams, the linebacker at eleven tackles in this yeah. one, but not soon enough for uh, that BC Lions rush defense. Yeah, and I mean, Montreal rushed 21 times. So you're going to see a linebacker get some tackles, like if the, the, the defensive line can't make those stops. Uh, but it was nice to see Montreal kind of commit to a run game, even though they were running that two-back system. But if BC can't get that sorted out, we're getting into that time of year where teams are going to be running a lot more because of the weather, because of conditions. It, it's late season football, yeah. that's going to be something that they're going to have to fix right away. I don't see them beating Calgary as it is anyways, but you don't want to go into Calgary for the West semi and get embarrassed. You want this year to be 
kind of a building block into next year where you can, can make a significant step. Five penalties for 42 yards for the Montreal Alouettes, which the, that the riders is, would take that eight days a week. That is a big change for Montreal. If they're not, you know, self-destructing all over the place with these poorly timed penalties, they're a pretty decent team. And if they're mm-hmm. able to get pressure on the quarterback, which has been uneven, it hasn't been consistent. They were able to do it against Winnipeg, not able to do it against Ottawa, able to do it against BC. That has to be, and it looks like, the formula for success for the Alouettes. And maybe the fact that Gary Stern's back on Twitter doesn't hurt either. I, I think that's the only thing. <laughs> That matters right now. Yeah, he goes away. They lose. He comes back. They exactly. win. I mean, if that's not a trend, what is? I figured yeah. it out. Yeah, I mean, who needs a GM? Just get Gary Stern on Twitter. It doesn't matter. But is it not overreaction theater in the Eastern Division? Like, Montreal's on this. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it is only because, yeah, you overreact because you have to look at the standings and be like, we're not really out of this at all. Like, I don't know why we're worried. Because Montreal wins the two games, and then they lose to Ottawa, and then it's like, okay, well, now Montreal's done. And then they go beat BC They're, pretty handily. Yeah, Montreal's done. They're a game back. <laughs> like, give me a break. So, look, th- there's only about six, a third of the season left. Nobody's done in in the East Division. This no. is going wow. to be a remarkable finish to the season. There's okay. one team that's done. <laughs> There you go. On that game, BC has a, I mean, a decent drive to start, and then just when they started getting uh, some momentum in the in the third, uh, it was, yeah. it was all over from there. Uh, if if you look at the stats, it just really wasn't a, a pretty game. Antonio Pipkin, thirteen of twenty four, with a pick, one hundred and seventy four yards. But that James Butler, Antonio Pipkin having more carries than your starting running back, that's not a formula for success either. Yeah, and. I mean, that kind of points to offensive line play a little bit, too, if they're not designed runs. Yeah. Where he's getting flushed. Uh, you talk with the stat lines, Antonio Pipkin outscored Trevor Harris fantasy one still, which is crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> he might, off the top of my head, is he the third highest scoring quarterback this week? God, I hope not. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that point yeah. later in the show. I, I have it all ready to go. When yeah, uh, Brian Burnham, four catches for 40 yards. Man, I so wanted that touchdown to stand uh, off the defender's hands, but it is what it is. Lucky Whitehead, three for 29. Keon Hatcher, the leading receiver for the Lions, three for 72. And if you look to... Uh, Montreal. I mean, the running backs kind of stole the show. Trevor Harris, 16 to 23, mm. 163, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, the completion percentage, 69.6%. Nice. Leading receiver. I'm not rounding up. <laughs> leading receiver was Reggie White Jr. Would have had a bigger game if he didn't let that uh, touchdown pass hit the turf. And Geno Lewis, three for 42 and a touchdown. So not, not really much happening on offense despite putting up Perfect. 31 points. For anybody, like yeah. it, you look at this stat sheet, and it's like I'm kind of glad I was working. 
<laughs> and I had to listen because I don't know if I could have watched that. <laughs> the Toronto Argonauts beat the Ottawa Red Blacks 24-19 in the first third of the triple header. Man, it started good for Toronto. This is the game of the week. It really started good for them. They had that 11-play, 95-yard drive that ate five minutes off the clock. Ottawa had no answers at all. Nick Arbuckle was not looking good. He was throwing, well, he threw an interception early in the game, and it just seemed like every opportunity that Toronto had to put it away, they just couldn't do it. And, and they had that, that's McLeod Bethel Thompson. That's mm-hmm. this offense right now. I you threw we, for three hundred and sixty five yeah. yards. But just no all Swedish. <laughs> but like, you know, we we talk about how he gets screwed around by this franchise. Like released, re signed, released, re signed, doesn't get the starting role, gets the starting gig, but it's only for like two weeks. <laughs> like at some point, these games are going to catch them, and they're not going to be able to pull it out. But the defense is – if you keep a team under 20 points, you should be winning that game regardless of what your offense does. Yeah, well, yeah. I shouldn't say with that. Like, if you're holding them to under 20 points, you're giving your, yeah. your offense a chance. But you keep passing up options, and that's, that's, going, to catch, that's going to catch up to you at some point, sooner is- rather than later usually. It is now a three-game winning streak for the Toronto Argonauts. And, uh, well, Lou Brown, that's a streak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon Danbridge making his return to Ottawa after a training camp in the NFL, and it looked like the game plan here was for Toronto to pick on him a little bit. He did have a big hit early on on DeVaris Daniels, knocked his helmet off his head, but they looked like they were targeting Brandon Banks in his area. Banks had six catches for 49 yards. Curly Gittens, a career game, eight catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Brandon Dambridge, the defensive back with 10 tackles. Whenever your DBs make it double-digit tackles, they're probably, get, probably getting picked on. Yeah, yeah, they're they're giving up a lot of catches. Yeah. Because, yeah, you don't want to see the tackles high. You want to see the pass knockdowns high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that... Or you could be, you could be like Jalen Ramsey and open up your mouth and say, Josh Allen's no good, and your completion percentage for that week is 100% against you. <laughs> That's always fun. <laughs> On national television. So that was a strategy that worked out for Toronto. But I did notice momentum kind of started to shift in the first half when their left tackle, Dejon Allen, defensive end, Shane Ray, linebacker, needs no introduction. He knocked Mwamba, went down due to Mm. injury. And at the half, Toronto, to me, I thought they should have had a lot bigger lead than they did. But it was only thirteen to six, and they were right in this game. And it, oh, the game almost took a turn at the end of the half when Boris Beatty misses the long field goal, and uh, Mister uh, Devonte Deadman almost had a nice return at the end of the half. If that goes through, Toronto or, doesn't win the game. Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about. Saskatchewan not making adjustments and stuff like that. Like Ryan Dinwiddie this year, the way that his team has somehow <laughs> not lost more football games than they've won is astounding. 
Well, they won three out of four with Hamilton, so that helps. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's huge. <laughs> I'm not, just spitting and, facts, Hamilton. <laughs> and, and, and not hard. <laughs> I know Hamilton's coming at you, but I... Oh, wow, well, I, I wouldn't uh, say Hamilton. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want the Thai Cats fans to not like me. I, I, I'm, I'm your friend, oh, okay? you're guilty by association. <laughs> Who are you kidding? <laughs> like when... Uh, like junior high, because I was your friend, I was always guilty too. That's true. That's true. In the in the second half, it was all Ottawa. It was like they, they just kind of ran out of time. If they would have had a better first half, they win this yep. game. Nick Arbuckle led an 11-play, 98-yard drive late in the game, takes the intentional grounding on second and seven. So That is so Nick Arbuckle. That's not yeah. funny. And then it's third and 14. He goes for the run for the first down. It's a 12-yard run, two yards short. They end up getting the ball back, but uh, just over a minute left. Uh, the pass hits Shaq Johnson in the hands on third and 14. It's the worst spot to get hit with a ball. <laughs> it falls incomplete. So Ottawa had every opportunity to win this one, and these two teams are going to play again. There, there is a bye week here for Toronto, and then they're going to go back to Ottawa. Just a bizarre schedule. I, I told you at the start of the year, this schedule is the worst we've ever seen. Like I, I know that the back-to-backs are getting annoying for someone, but when it, one team has a bye and they come back and play the same team, and in the middle of it, well, the, Ottawa Toronto doesn't have a bye hasn't too, had but. to leave Ontario in seven weeks. Wow. Talk about saving uh, travel costs. And allegedly that was part of the strategy for the schedule. But tell BC that they got to travel yeah. <laughs> probably more than anyone. So yeah, <laughs> the Ontario teams, I think, actually, I think the East teams probably already have the easy travel schedules oh, anyway. 100%. You play the majority of your games inside your division as it is. Yeah. I mean, if Toronto, if Toronto has... Two home games, and they got to play Ottawa and Hamilton. I mean, there's four weeks of yeah, basically sleeping in your own bed. Because mm-hmm. you, you, you really need to travel to Ottawa the night before, or Hamilton I mean, the night before. Like, Hamilton's basically Toronto anyway. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Well, I just mean it's close. <laughs> Toronto's way nicer. Oh! oh! <laughs> Yeah, you're on your own, brother. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to wake up tomorrow with the eight text messages all in caps. Uh, I should say, yeah, Ottawa does have a buy here as well. And they, they did have some success um, running the ball, which was good to see. They, they gave Devontae Williams the ball 14 times. He had 5.7 yards a carry. Uh, he had six catches. For 30 yards, he was in my fantasy lineup. I had a pretty decent day, just under 90 points. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a, a touchdown from uh, mm-hmm. Nick Arbuckle. That would have made my day a, a little bit better. But 26 of 40, 290 yards and an interception. It is better than what uh, Ottawa was seeing a couple weeks ago with Caleb Evans. But early on, it was looking pretty rough. And maybe yeah. that's just the curse of TD Place. 20 of the last 21 home games Ottawa has lost. 
Like, can they petition the league to just play all 18 games on the road? I I think they would be okay with giving up a game next year and playing it in Moncton or Halifax or... Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Edmonton's probably at the point where they want to play a game in Red Deer just to see if... uh... (laughs) Man, go play the Central Alberta Buccaneers and see what happens. (laughs) Might as well. That'll be the pre-practice squad for Chris Jones and uh, and company. Uh, let's talk about the banjo bowl. Can, yeah, like these last two games are an absolute joke. Can I uh, can I ask when we all collectively decided to be offended by the term banjo bowl? I look, I'm a Ryder S- fan. S a w f t. I'm a Ryder fan. I am not offended by the term. In fact, I think we need more games on the schedule that have some sort of organic, you know, growth to them. I have heard that the front office in Saskatchewan has complained to the league about this, which is also soft. It's just fun. And I know what Westwood said. I get it. Banjo picking inbreds. Whatever. It's it's over. And now we've got something on the schedule that means just as much to Winnipeg fans as Labor Mm -hmm. Day does to... Saskatchewan and Winnipeg fans. Like, come on. The, the yes. highlight of the game, though, and I saw people getting annoyed by this. I, it's, I just, will say, it's just SJWs crying for, mm. and, and bitching for the sake of being heard. Like, they just like to hear their own voice. Although I've seen some of those people complaining about Banjo Bull. Ah, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> some of the stuff that they complain about is like, yeah. whoa. Uh, Sarah Orleski stole the show. We're going to miss Sarah Orleski on the sideline. I also saw people complaining, saying that that was too much. I thought it was a classy send-off by uh, like by now I got Now I have to watch Jets games. <laughs> just, to, just to see Sarah doing what yeah. she does best. I mean, hard worker, humble, loves the league, and just to see the way that the players – Mm-hmm. showed appreciation to what Zach did for her at the end, giving her the game ball. Man, that was that was so cool. I, I just know after spending some time on CFL Twitter, there are two jobs I don't want regarding the CFL. That's probably a play-by-play commentator and an official, unofficial. I uh, don't want those jobs uh, <laughs> because I have a soft skin and I uh, do go on Twitter and I'm mad enough to admit that I cannot take criticism like that. Yeah, you don't want to be in the command center. Nope, nope. <laughs> this is hard enough. <laughs> yeah. I make it hard for you, let's be honest. It's my fault. <laughs> the Bombers win 54 to 20. Now, Fajar- <laughs> what's remarkable is that Fajardo did not have a bad game here. He didn't. In fact, the Bombers did not punt the ball until 2.40 left in the game. Travis, how can you say he didn't have a bad game when he threw for 124 yards? Uh, he, he didn't have a bad game, and I will die on that hill. 15 of 18 for 124 yards. He didn't have the ball. Like That's fair. When... when <laughs> the the first drive of the game, Winnipeg goes ten plays, seventy three yards, and then it's six nothing. Then the very next uh, drive, Cody Fajardo 
he he has a four yard run. Frankie Hickson has a three yard run. Then they're punting, so he hasn't thrown a pass yet. And then <laughs> the next drive, Winnipeg goes on a thirteen play, ninety seven yard touchdown drive that eats seven <laughs> minutes off the clock. They're so good; it's disgusting. So then. Then Cody Fajardo leads uh, them on a touchdown drive. It's 13-7. to But then, look at this. Another touchdown drive from Winnipeg. Like, <laughs> and then the so very next... Look, look at Winnipeg's drive chart. I know. It's insane. There's and then one the... drive where they didn't score points. And then the very next drive, the Ryder offense is rolling again. Third and one. Fajardo hits Kyron Moore in the hands and he drops it. <laughs> the, I honestly, I don't think there was anything more he could have done. And this, and I, I know the circumstances surrounding the game. This is by far the worst Rough Rider defensive performance we've seen, probably since before Chris Jones was on the team. They 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 couldn't do anything. And I know that half the team was sick. Half of the team was probably having diarrhea. Half of the team was puking. I, in camp. <laughs> I, I read that the entire offensive line was on IVs before. So what's the offensive line, line's excuse for the other 13 <laughs> weeks of the season? Well, that's – they didn't get – they did well in the first half, okay? Yeah, and if you're battling food poisoning or a stomach bug, you're going to gas out. Yeah. Like, it, it it's amazing, like – I'm the players showing up morning of the game, trying to get to Winnipeg, like in the shape they were in. Like, I, I will say like in that situation, the riders like that, that is something that you can look at and be like, okay, well this team is, they, they want, they want to be there. You know, they, they're, they're a team, they're playing for each other. They're showing up, but they're just outmatched. Well, and that's that's it. In the in the first half, I thought that the I mean the offense did what they could. There there was no, they didn't have many opportunities. That mm-hmm. you you brought up Winnipeg's drive chart. They had ten drives. One of them ended in a punt, and that was in the fourth quarter. And they they got to the red zone seven times. Yeah. The first four drives were touchdowns. Then a field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, punt, touchdown. Uh, Winnipeg's averaging half a punt per game against against the Riders this year. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I, I just think that the hard look, to get Mary Alford involved. Yeah, <laughs> look, I I know that the the circumstances surrounding the game. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to record this show feeling like how some of the players were feeling. The, the Riders had the ball for twenty four minutes, um, but I mean, if the reports. Almost. Almost scored a point per minute. <laughs> if the reports are true and that the offensive linemen were actually like getting fluids via IV before going on the field, I mean that is to me pretty remarkable. Yeah. That, that's uh, the opposite of what Edmonton has right now. It seems. Yeah, and I I don't have any reason to doubt what was happening there. I, I read that um, the president. This is wild, Craig Reynolds. Drove two players to the game from Regina. Got them there nine minutes after kickoff. Blaze Brown got into the game. All he did was have two breakfast sandwiches in the car. He stretched and he was on the field playing. 
So what is this, a slow pitch tournament? <laughs> stretched. I did not stretch for slow pitch. <laughs> I had to stretch getting out of the vehicle. So oh, yeah. Back okay. seized up. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's a the, – the Bombers went out there, and they still had to execute. Um, mm-hmm. That's all it was. Well, and Jefferson said it after the game. When you're playing Saskatchewan, this is a team that shows up and – you know, you have you have to perform. You have to you have to do your job and and be there and be ready. And he said it was a team win. Yeah, they blew him out. But I mean, if they don't, if they're not clicking Saskatchewan. Like they could have stole it. They could have. We we saw. Yeah, we saw it last week. They only lost by two. Yeah, and uh, I mean, at the end of the half, uh, Mario Alfred returns one to the house. Mm-hmm. And, They've got, you know, at least a, a little bit of a spark. But when when your defense is on the field the entire time, to me it looked like they could have used uh, Garrett Marino. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but up the middle, it was... You're such uh, a piece of... It was not a, uh, a strong point for the Rough Rider. Well, nowhere was really a strong point for the Rough Rider defense in the Banjo no. Bowl. But it's just... It's just one of those I mean, games. Yeah, they, they were missing Marino because at least they would have had a chance to knock Calaros out of the game. <laughs> like, so there's only one person left on this team that has to go, right? Who? Like, the fans already the got one. <laughs> the fans already got one. Maybe the voices are loud enough to get two. I will drive that bandwagon right into the middle of the field. <laughs> Who's with me? Frankie Hickson had uh, seven point yards, seven point one yards carry. Uh, Kyron Moore was six of nine for fifty six yards. Jake Hardy, uh, four catches, thirty two yards. <laughs> like I mean, they they did what they could, and I mean, I, I would have been crapping my pants out on the field there. And you look at Winnipeg; just uh, everyone had a. Beautiful game. Can, can uh, we talk about how Winnipeg's all three of Winnipeg's quarterbacks were positive fantasy points this week? <laughs> Has that been done? I, I would, I would venture to say no. Because Drew Brown has a passing TD. Prukop has two rushing TDs. Zach Kolaris has four passing TDs. Mm-hmm. I could have picked probably any of those quarterbacks and been better than my Nick Arbuckle pick. That's pretty. Mm, that's wild. that's false, but okay. How much? Did, how many points did Prukop have? Well, Prukop had more points than Nick Arbuckle. Yes, Drew okay. Brown did not. Okay. Well, still two out of three having better points than uh, you could than have picked Arbuckle. Tommy Stevens. Yeah, I could have done okay with him too. <laughs> <laughs> Brady Oliveira ten for fifty-five on the ground. Nick Dembski. And that guy might be one of the hottest players in the Canadian Football League right now. Seven catches, 71 yards, two touchdowns for Nick Dembski. He is having a beautiful stretch of football yeah. right and, now. And they added two carries, getting him involved any way they can in this offense. He's just kind of a Swiss Army knife right now for that team. Um, and, and it's not like there's a big hole to fill on offense for them. Like, yes, Greg Ellison isn't there, but Greg Ellison was an add-on. Yeah, they already had Rashid Bailey. They had Nick Dembski. They had Drew Wolitarski. Dalton Schoen was shown up and shown out. 
like the fact that Nick Dempsey's still putting up these numbers with that complement of receivers that they have is just wild. The last six games for Nick Dembski, that is uh, six rushing or six receiving touchdowns. August twenty mm-hmm. fifth against Calgary, he has eight catches for one hundred and seventeen yards and a touchdown. Labor Day against Saskatchewan, five catches, seventy nine yards and a touchdown. Banjo Bowl, yeah, two receiving touchdowns. So a nice that stretch. Good? <laughs> it, it's it's pretty okay for Nick Dembski and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And you did bring up uh, Rasheed Bailey, five catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. That was uh, the biggest game for him of the season. Mm -hmm. And what a halftime interview he had with Sarah Orleski. I think there was a lot of pressure on Bailey coming into the season. I think there was a lot of expectations on him coming into the season. And, hey, we're after Labor Day now. We had an amazing effort on that 34-yard touchdown just barely touching the pylon in the corner. I, that was that was awesome. I, I really thought with the way that the last two seasons had gone for Bailey, where, you know, later on in the year, they would start kind of he, – he, I wouldn't say they would start involving more. He got more chances or was was uh, capitalizing on his chances. I really thought this year was going to be kind of a breakout year where he'd be consistently – Yeah, equal. yeah. Not necessarily every week being their leading receiver, but – you know, six, number seven, one, eight number weeks two target, yeah, kind of thing, and it just hasn't panned out. Uh, and you know, his passport helps for sure, but like, we had such high, I had such high expectations, like just in general for him. Like, I really expected, uh, you know, kind of like a thousand, not maybe not a thousand yards, but like seven hundred yards and five, six, seven TDs. Not to fact check you, but uh, Rashid Bailey. He's American. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Who was, uh, why why do I always think he's Canadian? Maybe Waller Talk. Maybe Walatarski, uh, you were thinking of. Oh, he, maybe. Yeah. He did have to leave this game. Uh, one catch, nine yards, and it was fine with him on the sideline. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Uh, they probably yeah. could have put the entire backups because even Brandon O'Leary, Brandon O'Leary Orange gets a touchdown, and of course Dalton Schoen gets a touchdown. But there you go. The the Bombers came out, executed, and dominated the Riders. I, I think one bright spot that the Riders had was Cooper Richardson at right tackle, and he was he was making Willie pretty mad early in the game. He was getting mad and going to the refs. You got to call this guy. And he played, I thought, a pretty good game. And once they got Jamal Campbell in there, I think they had to shuffle the offensive line because maybe some guys were uh, struggling with the flu or whatever they had going on. Um, Then (laughs) then the D-line was really taken over again. But early on, Cooper Richardson, I think Mm -hmm. a bright spot at right tackle and maybe – Maybe they have something there going forward because I, I, I've thought over the past few weeks the offensive line hasn't been the glaring weakness it was early on in the season. I think when Cody was healthy, anything that was wrong with the offensive line could be hidden. Well, he hasn't been healthy for two years. And now I'm thinking, well, he, the last few games, he's played pretty good. Mm-hmm. On Labor Day, he did. The Banjo Bowl, he did what I he mean, could. You give up two sacks of Willie Jefferson, that's that's a win. And I, I think it just goes <laughs> to show he shouldn't have been playing no. during that stretch mm-hmm. when they were hurt. Uh, clearly, he wasn't 
<laughs> he wasn't able to do what we've come accustomed to, and he hasn't been terrible over the past few weeks, so we'll see. They got Edmonton coming up, and <laughs> 56-28, the Calgary Stampeders. Doubled up. Stomp the Edmonton Elks, and yeah, Danny Austin saying that in two games at Commonwealth Stadium, the Calgary Stampeders have 105 points in six games at Commonwealth Stadium this season. The Edmonton Elks have 101 points. Mm. After, and we've seen this before with Edmonton. They, actually in both games at McMahon Stadium this season, they gave Calgary some trouble. Labor Day, they gave them trouble. And then you come home and that happens? That's that's embarrassing. They have yeah. tied a record home losing streak 14 games in a row at Commonwealth Stadium. It used to be such a tough place to play. Now it's just tough for the home team to play at Commonwealth Stadium. Remarkably bad stretch. And, you know, you talk about when you talk about the Elks and, and Commonwealth Stadium and you know, once once an Eskimo was an Eskimo back in like, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, all of the names on that wall of honor, the five great cups in a row, the Ricky Ray years, all that stuff, it just seems like it's come down or like like hurtling back to earth, coming to the ozone on fire. It's just two straight years of this. It's just a shame that Terry Jones isn't covering the team and he has to sit through this anymore. Well, I, I think I think but the most frustrating just, part is that this is every, maybe and everybody the, wanted to change and they got it and it just yeah. hasn't panned out. This is maybe the game that we expected to see Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that you do on the road. Yeah, to do that in front of your fans. And I don't know why we're surprised because they've been so bad at home. I don't know what we expected to change. Well, and we expected this from a year one Chris Jones team. It happened in Saskatchewan. And I'll, I'll never forget like, how I four felt. wins? Yeah. Going into that last game at Taylor Field. And I'm thinking, <laughs> we got to do something. Let, let Durant play. And then, and then he pulls Durant and... It's the last game at Taylor Field. I know there's no playoffs, but Jones does not care about that. It is evaluation for next week. It is evaluation for next season. But the effort level and the stupid mistakes. He was, Jones was not happy post game. Two time counts. Is this a Saskatchewan impression? On on your home turf, two time count penalties in the first Mm -hmm. half. But. I I really do believe that that pass interference call on Ed on Ganey, Ed Ganey was a joke, and I an think, absolute joke. I think that changed the course of the rest of the game. That is one of the worst calls I've ever seen in yeah. any level of sport. I don't know. And, Mick Magoo's hand pass is pretty bad, and but then Ed Gain like I went back home and Ed Ganey's going to get fined. But that was was incredible. I'm sorry. When he, oh, right to the camera, like, I work hard for my money. I work hard for this name on the jersey. And now you're messing with me. Good for him. I agree. 
good for Ed Gainey for saying that because, and I went back and watched it, and I think I've seen some fans say that maybe it should have been illegal contact. Be, be, before the receiver falls over, there is a tug on the jersey, but that's before the throw. So maybe it's mm-hmm. illegal contact and a 10-yard penalty instead of giving Calgary the ball, the ball at, the, at one. the one. But explain it. Don't just have Chris Jones meet with the officials and then just say, after receiving more information, uh, Chris Jones has withdrew his challenge. Well, we don't have the information. Give us the information. The system's broke. You can't trust the review process in this league right now. You can't trust the officiating on the field to even get it right. You look at that Ryder game, the holding penalties, and like, it, it's frustrating to watch. It takes a lot of flow out of the game. Calls like that are infuriating, no matter what side you're on. Like, yeah, I'm sure Sam's fans love it. I mean, give them great field position. But if that goes the other way, like, you have to look at it that way. That if that's the precedent they're going to set, you have to expect that to be called on, on, on every play now. But that's the thing. They set a precedent in the first quarter with these pass interference calls and and the illegal contacts and and the holdings on the offensive line. By the fourth quarter, those are gone. And it doesn't matter. There's no consistency with it. There's no consistency in the same game, let alone from game to game. The command center is an absolute dumpster fire. The on-field officiating is infuriating. Like, I'm just done. I, I just don't understand how the league does nothing. I get that it's the middle of the season. You can't start firing officials because you don't have anybody to replace them. And these guys all have second jobs because they can't afford not to. That's a big issue. What and I don't the get, only way to fix is to pay them more, but where does that money come from? The, the league can step in and they, they fixed an unnecessary roughness or fixed an unnecessary roughness call on Cody Fajardo. And they stepped in and they, they, they picked the flag up off the field. Why couldn't they fix this? I, it's just so it's like egregious. in baseball. That's not a reviewable play, but if if it happened a little different, it would be. I know. You know what I mean? Like, what's I the point of having happen. a review? Either make everything reviewable or make nothing reviewable. I'm done. I saw it happen. Like, <laughs> change it to illegal contact. Fine. Yeah. That and I, I honestly believe that took the wind out of Edmonton sales. The boos I heard coming from the stands. Yeah. It was maybe the loudest I've heard that stadium. And just before then, they had some momentum. Peyton Logan fumbling a punt. And then the touchdown to the pride of Lacombe, Tanner Green, the fullback. And then the very Central next Alberta drive. Buccaneer alumna. Or yeah. alumnus? Alumni? Alumnus? Alumnus, I think. And I then do. the very next drive is the, that pass interference on Ed Ganey. Yeah. And I, I honestly couldn't believe what I was watching. Uh, when Ed Ganey walked up to the camera and they let him say that. <laughs> That's great TV. I would like that, to see whoever, that on every that, play. <laughs> whoever was directing in the truck just won a Juno. Yeah. That, or should. That's a Canadian Screen Award right there. That's a heritage moment. If the rules change, that's a heritage moment. It is. It is. And I, I mean, what else can you say about this game? The Stamps stamped all yes. over all over Edmonton. Former Edmonton Elk, Trumaine Washington, with a pick six. And the Elk special teams was just 
and it's been a mess. Since for, 2012? For a long, long time. Ooh, and I, I know they're starting to maybe get some nice returns here and there, but it is what it. Taylor Cornelius, 23 of 32, 292 yards, uh, two touchdowns and a pick. There were at times when Calgary's D-line was all over him, but there were other moments where he had so much time back there, and it did appear to me that the Stamps DBs were on Edmonton's receivers like a blanket so there was coverage like the coverage sacks coverage pressure like it's so i mean as far as bright spots for edmonton i do think maybe they now have a they had under 100 back. yards then they had under 100 yards and penalties i guess yeah there's one i think they got a pretty good running back in kevin mm-hmm. brown uh who Seems had a, that way Pretty decent game on Labor Day, and here he had over nine yards of carry, uh, 10 carries for 91 yards. Uh, he had four catches for 15 yards, and I think they've got something in Dylan Mitchell as well. Uh, five catches on 10 targets for 120 yards. He was uh, 2,500 in Seattle mm-hmm. Fantasy. I had him in my flex. I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, and you see Darrell Walker, seven catches for 100 yards. That has to be his first 100-yard game in a while. Uh, uh, Darrell, Darrell Walker. Walker. Mm-hmm. Might not be since he was in Toronto off the top of my head, but as you look that up, uh, Jake Mayer, 20-26, 287 yards and a touchdown. But Kadeem Carey, Nine carries, 118 yards, and that touchdown at the end of the game. And it has been a point of struggle at times, I think, for Edmonton. The tackling on the defense. <laughs> <laughs> Jones isn't going to put up with that for for very long. And it's just tough when you're trying to rebuild the business. I get that. But I saw it in Saskatchewan. Jones doesn't care. He doesn't care how many people are in the stands. He wants to put the proper combination together to have success on the field. And I I believe, I truly believe, it'll start paying off probably next year. Uh, This The rest of this season is lost. But the question is, will the Elks have a home win this year? No. And the other question is, who wants to be there right now? I know. Who are the guys? Ed Gainey doing that shows me he wants to play. He He's still showing up. Yeah. There, there's guys that have thrown in the towel, for sure. Yeah, I think so. And it'd be hard not to. I don't blame them. I'd, I'd be in the same boat, I think. Like, it, it's tough to show up and get your ass handed to you week in and week out, especially at home every time. But Jones said he's got to figure out who wants to be here, who wants to play. And, and and stuff like that because if they don't want to be here, changes are coming. Well, that that's a moot point because all you've done this year is make changes. But I, I don't think this is going to be the last week of us being surprised by a cut in Edmonton. I, I think more more definitely coming. Say what you want about Chris Jones. I think he holds people accountable though. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are egregious mistakes or the effort level isn't there. You're, you're shown the door. The three home games remaining for Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto, BC. BC, maybe. <laughs> BC might. Be, well, we'll see. That's the Depends last game on of the if season. Vernon Adams gets it together. 
and they might or, be pretty. Or O'Connor gets it together. They might be desperate for a win. You don't. You don't maybe, know. Maybe maybe works back. Maybe. <laughs> and that Trevor Harris coming back to Montreal. We'll see what kind of game he has. Coming back to Edmonton. On, yeah, on October first. You were man. We've yeah. made some mistakes today. Oh yeah. I, oh well. Um, and then knew. the other two games are in Saskatchewan, in Winnipeg. Yeah. For the Edmonton Elks. Those Saskatchewan games are real important. <laughs> that that's a fascinating game. <laughs> I hopefully this flu, food poisoning, or whatever it is that the Riders have is gone by the time they play. <laughs> Take some Imodium, let's go. <laughs> uh, this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Uh, Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you're calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime and on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. All right, Ty, you got the fantasy numbers crunched for this week. It seems like... Sort of a bizarre week. We both had wins in the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. I beat the Argos oh. FanCast. You beat Oz Davis, and you only nope. picked from the Banjo Bowl and the Battle of Alberta game. <laughs> so it was Saturday afternoon, listening to the Ryder game on the radio, kickoff. I'm like, I don't remember setting a lineup this week. So I checked because I was lucky enough to be in service, and I did not have a lineup set. So I only had one game left. Oh, to you pick only from. had one game. I only had one game left to pick from, and it worked out. Did you go all Calgary, or did you have a no, few? No, I had I had a few Edmonton because I couldn't couldn't pull a Ryan. <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed to do that. Uh, I did have Kevin Brown, and that okay. was my only that was my only elk. Oh, okay, <laughs> man. My Geno Lewis and Jalen Acklin picks. 22.4 combined. I would have liked to, my highest scoring player, Devontae Williams and Dylan Mitchell tied at 17. AJ Olette had 15 and a half. Nick Arbuckle, 10.8 in the Red Blacks defense. How high five. was your highest scoring player? 17. My defense got 15. Stamps defense, 15. Yeah. Well, and, and that's another thing from that game. Two games, two blocked punts. The sack, an interception, a fumble. A touchdown and a safety. They basically pulled the Mario Lemieux. <laughs> Who were the best fantasy players this week? Uh, again, Zach Kalaros. Like, it, this is getting stupid. Uh, 26.9, along with Tommy Stevens. Like, but okay. Four, four wow. rushing touchdowns for Tommy Stevens. He had in the yards and everything. Taylor Cornelius still at 24.8, which... I was looking at that, and it just doesn't make any sense to me, but then, you know, 287 yards, no picks. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry, 292 yards, one pick, and two touchdowns. So yeah. it kind of does, I guess, make somewhat sense, but it's the way they got pumped didn't make a lot of sense. The Cloud Bethel Thompson, <laughs> 17.7. Jake Mayer, who started for the Stamps, is fifth behind his own backup. And Cornelius and, did have the one rushing TD, too. So. Yeah. And then Prukop, Fajardo, Pipkin, then Arbuckle. Then Harrison Dom, Dom Davis back to back, and then Caleb Evans is tied with Dom Davis, and Drew Brown is right behind them. 
I'm like gonna. Quarterbacks uh, was an absolute crapshoot. One week. of these weeks, I'm picking Davis. I'm just gonna let it go. I think you're better off picking Tommy Stevens. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, running back wise, Kadeem Carey, Devontae Williams, AJ Olette. I think you mentioned that he was the first running back touchdown. Oh for yeah, Toronto this year. First running back touchdown for the Argos this season comes in week they fourteen. Have Andrew Harris or had. <laughs> Like I had to, I went through all, I guess five running backs that they've had on in games this year. Yeah, I'm like, there's no way this is true. That's <laughs> true. Oh yeah. Uh, Kevin Brown in fourth, Frankie Hickson uh, in fifth, Tanner Green with that touchdown got into the top ten as well. Nice. Uh, Curly Gittens Jr. led the way receiver wise, thirty point one. Nick Demsky twenty seven point one. Malik Henry twenty two point eight. Rashid at nineteen point three, and then Darrell Walker and Dylan Mitchell both had seventeen. And throw in Dalton Schoen uh, with another 16.3 points, another touchdown this week. It's crazy. And Mr. Reggie Bagleton, 16.2. Mm-hmm. So. Right behind. He's in eighth and Schoen's in seventh. Yeah, you could have went all stamps. If you could start two key I QBs. <laughs> the old Tommy Stevens getting 26.9. Imagine the lineup I could have had. <laughs> Fantasy is the biggest crapshoot this year more than ever, isn't it? Especially at quarterback and and running back. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do at running back anymore. I don't know. Like Just, I'm taking Peyton Logan because he gets returns. Pick the cheap guys. That That's <laughs> – hope you get lucky. Kevin Brown ain't going to be cheap next week. No, that's true. His price is starting to go up yeah. as well. Man, there you go. Week 14 of the CFL season. <laughs> Here we are. Week week two of my mustache. So you're trying to connect. Well, the, like this is getting long. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, boy. Got a nice little soup straighter there. I love it. Rate, review, and subscribe to Do It Out on your favorite podcatcher. If you like what you see, which you probably don't. Probably don't. (laughs) You can leave us a comment. uh, Ring the bell and subscribe on YouTube as well. Do It Out will be back on Thursday to get you ready for week 15. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 